The following is brought to you by the Leave It in the Ring Podcast Network. All boxing, no filter. Greetings and welcome to the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast presented by The Ring and RingTV.com and distributed by the Leave It in the Ring Network. My guest on this episode is uh, David Duenas, who's the owner of the Leave It in the Ring uh, podcast network. Um, great guy. Really enjoyed chopping it up with him. Uh, we talked about uh, some of the better fights that went on this weekend, the, the Kovalev Yard fight, which is a good one, and um, the fights on pbc figueroa fulton uh we also got into uh the ruiz joshua two match which uh, appears to be on uh you know even though there were some conflicting reports going on during the week we talked about uh dana white getting into the sport as well and we also got into uh david's background and how he got into the sport and started the podcast great conversation hope you enjoy it's my pleasure to welcome to the Boxing Esquire podcast my good friend and I guess my boss, the uh, the owner of the uh, Leave It in the Ring uh, podcast network, Mr. David Duenas. How you doing, David? I'm doing great, man. Thanks. Thanks for uh, inviting me yeah. on on your show. It's, uh, I've been a fan before you even came on Leave It in the Ring uh, network. I, I've been a fan. I was the one that reached out to you, remember, and it was like, Absolutely. hey. Uh, why don't you bring him down this way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Why don't you cross the street? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, that's what it was put. Hey, why don't you cross the street? And come over here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No, I was psyched. I was psyched because you know you you've had like you know a ton of great podcasts on your network. So uh, you know we'll we'll definitely get into that uh, a little later on. But um, but yeah, man, just wanted to to chop it up. You know, I, I missed the podcast with with you and Gabriel, so you know, I, I, you know, I love talking boxing with you guys. So uh, calling in and stuff. So I figured I'd just uh, you know have you on the pod and we could we could talk about some fights. So um, so yeah, man, this uh, you know this weekend we had a, a big one in the light heavyweight division, really interesting one. Um, Sergey Kovalev uh, taking on an unbeaten, really strong challenger, and Anthony Yard from Great Britain. Um, really great fight, you know. Kovalev got the stoppage. Uh, you know, what'd you think of uh, both fighters in that one? You know, I got to eat some crow because um, even when the fight was being negotiated, I, I honestly was picking Anthony Yard to uh, to pull it off. Uh, a big, strong kid. Um, I like the way he he throws his combinations to the body and he paints back upstairs. Um, I wasn't really sure. The mental state of Kovala, I know Buddy McGurr is a great trainer, really good trainer. I've, I've had my pleasure speaking to him numerous times, either on the podcast or in person. Um, but what I noticed with, with Buddy at times is that he'll, he'll get a guy that's going kind of spiraling down and he gets him back, you know, at a level where you're, you're, it's kind of like a mirage sometimes, right? Uh, he did a he did a, he did a great job with Arturo Gatti. He had him boxing, but as soon as you you got him back to the ropes, as soon as you got him back into that mud, uh, they always reverted to their old self. So I wasn't sure with Kovalev if that was going to happen. Um, and obviously, Kovalev is a completely different fighter from uh, from Gatti, um, and he was able to use a lot of his experience, his amateur background came came into light. Um, he was able to capitalize on Anthony Yard's inexperience in, in being in championship rounds. 
Um, and he and well, let me ask you this: what what? I thought it was honestly, I thought it was a gimmick when Yard's trainer said we do no sparring. I, I didn't believe that. I, I was like, that can't be true. That just can't be true. You just you just can't prepare yourself, uh, especially against the crusher like that, without any sparring, without testing whether or not um, you're gonna if you have that second third because that's not. Oh, a loser. Okay, there you go. But they have that second or third gear if it's needed. You know what I mean? And, right. And then you also want to be able to capitalize on the mistakes of your opponent. You know, you that's what a trainer's supposed to do. You know, I've always compared the trainer as the, the coach watchtower in a football game. They're the guys up in the top. They're able to see the whole field. They're able to see all the plays that are being played out. And then they're the ones that call down to the field coach, which would be the fighter who's in the ring, and, and call in the mistakes and make these adjustments that need to be needed. Well, how do you do that if you don't even know if your guy can make those adjustments on the fly when you don't have no sparring? So I was really, really puzzled by that. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, with, with Yard, I mean, there, there's only – I mean <laughs> – it's funny. I, I used to manage a fighter who hated sparring, just did not want to spar. Giovanni Lorenzo. Um, I mean, he would run. He would run. Wow. He would. He would run like a marathon. If, I mean, if if you let him. I mean, the guy could run like the wind, but he just hated sparring. Just would not spar. It was hell to get him into spar. And you know, it, and you you know, it, it, I just don't. You, you can't be at that. You can't. I mean, you can get to the world class level, but you're not going to be successful at the world class level just on natural talent. And uh, I mean, Danny Romero, I think, was the same way. Danny Romero, they, they kept his sparring very limited, right? Um, but at least he did some sparring. Right. I mean, if they did no sparring, that just, it's crazy. You know, yeah, his, his trainer's getting a lot of stick for that. You know, Tunde was at Ajayi, you know, for, for all his talking and, you know, all the woofing that they did. And then they did no sparring. And yeah, it seemed like, you know, I mean, this, and this was a huge step up in class for Yard, too. I mean, he hadn't really faced anybody top 10, even top 25. Um, and it just looked like when he got in there and, and felt that jab from Kovalev, you know, it just kind of froze him for a little bit. I mean, he hung in there, but he, you know, his, his aggression wasn't the same as it was against uh, the lower level guys. And uh, he didn't seem to get going until about the seventh or eighth round. <laughs> so... But um, yeah, you, it, it almost it, it just goes back to showing you that it, without putting in some rounds where you're moving your hands and you're moving your head against a guy that's trying to hit you, um, it, it, it has to shake off some of that rust. And you saw that in those first couple of rounds. It took him a while to, to understand that he was he was in a fight. Right. And it, speaking about Kovalev's jab, it's one of the best in the business. I mean, that's where that jab has got him. To where he was at. It's not the first time we've seen Kovala drop or stop a guy with a jab. Right. You know. So I, you know, you know what I've heard, Kurt, Kurt, what I've, I've even witnessed uh, is seeing guys that if they're if they are going to spar, it's probably like a minute or two, um, and it's very limited. Like they're not going all out; they're doing it sixty percent. I've seen that, you know, because then it's whether or not there's a lot of uh, 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 tissue that's been damaged. And, you know, they don't want to risk the, the, you know, the chance of a guy getting cut or anything like that. I've seen that. But for a young lion like that, that's getting ready to actually have the opportunity to be a shining star in front of the world. I, I have no words for that. You know, <laughs> uh, people were hitting me up on, on, uh, on leaving the ring uh, Gmail. They were like, can you believe this? And I was like, uh, uh, 
maybe I go maybe there's some truth to it, maybe there isn't. But after watching that fight, oh god, there was a lot of truth to it. I, I couldn't believe it. Right, right. Yeah, especially a guy who's only had like twelve amateur fights and eighteen pro fights. I mean, you need to get him as much time in the ring sparring and and honing his skills as as you can. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing that he got as far as he did and and actually did as well as he did. I mean, it was a competitive right. fight. Um, and it just seemed like, you know, I mean, the, the commentators are ringside. He's got heart. He's got power. And if he'd only like, you know, I mean, when he had success, you know, like not just standing his ground, but backing Kovalev up and, you know, whipping those hard shots to the body, you know, Kovalev looked like he was about to come apart. And then, uh, and then Yard kind of gassed and, and just wasn't able to, to, to fight that way. But, um, you know, great learning lesson. Uh, but you just think, man, if he just had a little more seasoning, both in the gym and, you know, maybe a couple tougher fights to, to get him ready, you know, that, that title could have been his. You know, a lot of times, you, you know, a lot of folks would blame the fighter. This is one where you just really got to put everything on the trainer. Right. You know, it's like, hey, uh, not only is it a great experience and a hard lesson for the fighter, it is for his team as well. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, Kovalev, you know, gets through those tough spots. You know, he, he gets the, the the late stoppage at home. I mean, do you think he? Uh, I mean, it was a tough fight. It's a tough physical fight for him. You think he's going to be ready for? You know, everyone's talking about uh, Canelo a little later in the year. You think uh, think he'll be ready in time, or is he a little chewed up from this fight? I mean, uh, it seems like the money money's going to talk in this situation. <laughs> Yeah, definitely looks like the money's going to talk. You know, at 5'8", 160, I mean, what was the heaviest he fought? Uh, was with a catchweight with, uh, with Julio Cesar Chavez Ro- Jr. Or, or Rocky Fielding, like, what, one of those, yeah. 164, something like that? Yeah, yeah, Rocky Fielding. <laughs> right, right, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, exactly. So, you know, I mean, I think it's a very interesting fight. Um, is there a lot of wear and tear, Kovala? Absolutely, we saw it, but... Again, Yard is a big kid. You know, Yard, I, I, if I remember correct, he fought uh, maybe one or two fights. Loop, your, your mic coming went forward. There you go. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, he was coming forward and was able to push back uh, Kovala. So we saw Kovala had to dig deep as well. Can Canelo do the same thing? Um, it's really hard to say, and I think that's why it makes it such an interesting fight. Could could Canelo, who's you know the more talented guy right now, in my opinion, he's more fluent in what he's he's been doing, been very consistent in his in his counter punching. Um, he's gotten better uh, coming forward at times, and it might have some some uh, some reason because of his knee. He has to do that. Uh, if he could win this fight, it's going to be a fought hard earned fight against Kovla. So I, I see a lot of people saying that he's going to be be the favor. I'm not. I'm not entirely sold with that yet. Um, I know in Vegas he would Canelo would be the favorite, but I don't know. Kurt. I, to me, right now it's a fifty-fifty fight. It really depends. Uh, Kovalev should be riding high off of this yard fight because it was a young, tough kid with, that could punch, who is athletic, just didn't have the experience. You know, Canelo doesn't have that power to keep a big guy like Kovalev off, but he would definitely make him miss a lot and frustrate him enough where it could mentally break him down where Andre Ward was able to do that and uh, uh, make him quit at times and get really sloppy. But 
Ward is a big guy as well, too. So to me, there's a lot of questions that should be that could be answered if they fight. Um, but I'm not going to be so quick in saying, oh, it's a good fight for Canelo and it's a very easy winnable one. I think it's a winnable one, but I think it's going to be it's going to be hard fought for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of brings me back to to the first uh Kovalev Ward fight where, you know, Ward got in there with Kovalev. He'd had a long layoff. He'd had a couple of tune-ups, but it took him like at least, you know, four or five rounds to, 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 you know, be able to deal with, you know, all the incoming from, from Kovalev, that heavy jab, which shook him at one point, you know, the right hand, which dropped him. Um, you know, I mean, Kovalev doesn't right. have a lot more than that, but, but what he has is really good. You know, he's got a great jab and a, a thunderous right hand. So, uh, you know, I, I, you know, and Canelo's a really short guy and he's in there with the biggest guy and most dangerous guy he's ever fought. So you, you figure it's probably going to be Canelo maybe giving away a couple of those early rounds. But it just seemed like when, when Yard started pressing a, a, a tiring Kovalev and firing to the body, I mean, Kovalev was just grabbing on for dear life. And, you know, you got to think Canelo's seeing that going, yeah, yeah, I, I can do that. <laughs> it- but I don't know if he can stop him. That's you know the thing. what? I it's going to be a tough fight. It's going to be. A tough I don't fight. either. Yeah, it's a very t- it's a very tough fight. And I'm gonna tell you, okay, I got to give it to Canelo. You know, even talking about this, um, if this fight happens, you you got to give the kid props. Uh, even now, Absolutely. I mean, all the opposition that he's been getting in there, they're different faces of boxing uh, and styles. Uh, I'm wondering, are they looking at Kovalev because he has such a European style that he's so upright sometimes, his punches are straight down the pipe, um, which works for Canelo because he can, um, he's got great head movement, you know? So you can make Kovalev miss a lot. But the one thing that we know about Kovalev is that Kovalev can get dirty. He can get nasty in there. And that's something that Canelo hasn't really been up against because you know, fighting Gennady Golovkin, Golovkin, regardless of, of the image that's been kind of changing for him of recent, um, it's not really a dirty guy inside the ring. Right, right. Very right. professional. Kovalev's right. a bit different. He's a bit different, man. Right. There's a mean, there's a real mean, mean streak with the guy. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, you look at it and you see what Golovkin's main weapon. I mean, lately, you know, when he's not bombing guys out of there, it's his jab, right? I mean, he's got one of the best jabs in the business, and and right. you know, certainly in the second fight, Canelo definitely dealt with it a lot better than he did the the first time around. He kind of took it took it away from being an offensive weapon and turned it into like you know a defensive weapon. Like you know, you know, Golovkin wasn't like you know pushing him back with that jab. He was just trying to you know kind of firing it off the back foot and trying to fend him off with the jab. So, um, you know, Canelo can deal with it with a jab, but, uh, you know, it's, I, I just get the feeling it's going to take him some rounds to, to, you know, to, to kind of deal with all the Kovalev's putting on him. And, uh, we'll see if he can, you know, once Kovalev starts to fade a little bit, if he can turn it on like Ward and, uh, you know, and Alvarez did. And, and, and get the win. I just don't see him stopping Kovalev, though. Exactly. So it's going to be and a grinder for 12 really rounds. we have seen move a lot man. lately. <laughs> I, yeah. Right. It, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that also poses the question about Canelo's knee. Right. Um, because he's going to have a big guy coming forward. Is, he, is his knee going to hold up to it? Right. Is he going to revert to moving like he's done before? Uh, he's going to you know, you know, try to be the boxer? Because the last 
three fights that we witnessed, the last four fights actually we witnessed from Canelo is that he changed up his style uh, coming forward. He did it with Danny Jacobs. You know, we didn't think that he was going to really do that with Danny, uh, but he did. Right. He was able to stay there, uh, didn't move a lot. He moved his waist a lot, which made Danny Jacobs miss a lot of his punches, tired him out. Uh is going to obviously throw punches, he's going to make him miss as well, but you're going to have a bigger guy leaning on you, pushing you back. So that's why I said it's a very, very interesting fight. Uh, or DAZN. Yeah, yeah, it def- definitely be uh, definitely be on the zone. Um, yeah, well, do you have, do you have a pick at this? Like a, an early stab at a pick? Who who, who do you think wins that one? Ha. <laughs> well, I would have to go with the money. Cash cow is going to go twelve rounds, man. I'm going to go with that. Animal. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. But, hey, tell what's signed. I can't, I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think also, yeah. You know, it, you know, Canelo has not lost any close decisions, but uh, um, yeah. I mean, you just look at Kovalev's age and the fact that he's coming right back off a really tough grinding fight. Um, yeah, and Canelo is maybe you know. I mean, he's he's his skill level is is you know, uh, you know. I wouldn't. I don't know if it's on a par with Andre Ward, but it's certainly up there at this point. I mean, he gets better with every fight. So, yeah, you you'd think that that that. Uh, you know, Canelo's going to find a way to win, but it's definitely not going to be easy. It, it, it's definitely going to be quite the puzzle. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing that fight. It's going to be a great fight. So uh, It'd be a great fight. You, you also got to look at this, too. Canelo, before taking the Triple G fight, if you, if you look before where he, he had, he had um, obtained the, the middleweight title, and then he dropped it, he vacant it, um, you, you can still sense there was some, there wasn't some sureness yet. He wasn't really sure what he could do at a middleweight division. And, I, and after fighting Triple G twice, you kind of get the sense that his confidence is just boosted. You know, he took one of the meanest middleweight punchers in the division. Uh, one of the guys that, you know, uh, has made the claim and, and we've seen the claim of being the most avoided middleweight titleist for a very long time. Uh, Gennady's knocked guys out in two, three rounds, or he's brutally beaten you to submission, right? So ever since then, I don't know. I see a very different Canelo Alvarez, a very confident. And that's why I'm not surprised him calling out Kovala, them talking about getting into a Sergey. I'm not surprised with it at all. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, I'm excited if it happens, man. Definitely, it's a fight to see. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I mean uh, the one one fight on the undercard I just wanted to note. Um, there's a really interesting heavyweight uh, named uh, Evgeny Romanov uh, who won uh, in the first round TKO one. 34 years old. He didn't turn pro until 2016. But the interesting thing about him was he stopped uh, Deontay Wilder in the amateurs, and he and he dropped Deontay Wilder. And uh, and just as a pro, his form just looks as good as it did when he was an amateur. I mean he's. He's a short heavyweight. He's only six feet tall, but really intriguing guy. He's an older prospect, but uh, but he's getting guys out of there uh, in, in a hurry. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they want to push him uh, as fast as they can if he's 34. But uh, I think he could, you know, he could make some noise. Um, that was kind of the one uh, one fight on the undercard that caught my eye. But um, listen, let's talk about um, Brandon Figueroa. 
on the, the PBC had a card and, and Brandon uh, defended his title, his WBA interim uh, junior featherweight title against uh, Javier uh, Nicolas uh, Cintron of, of, of Argentina. He stopped him in the fourth round. Um, Brandon is, you know, it seems like, you know, I mean, I was a big Omar Figueroa fan, but then he just kind of lost the plot a little bit. He seemed to stop you know, training hard, right. and he went off the he went off the rails a little bit. His little brother seems a lot more serious, and uh, and I really like him as a fighter. What what what, what do you think of uh, Brandon? I like him too. Yeah, I, yeah. I like Brandon. I like Brandon a lot, and I and, and I think you're you're right in terms of where their focus is at. Um, Omar just, I, I think that's always been the big question mark, even before the fans started seeing it um everybody behind the scenes everybody that i spoke to back before you know when omar was being talked up uh, a lot uh we're we're all saying the same thing like we're not sure if this guy's serious he doesn't want to he doesn't show up to camp he doesn't want to spar he doesn't want to do this he doesn't want to train uh it was hard to get to, to get him to the gym there was always something circling around him uh what is with his brother, I, I'm not really hearing a whole lot of that. Right. You know, um, I'm hearing there's more of a serious attitude about that. And there's always, you know, it always, it, we, you see this in the gyms all the time. The, the guy with the most talent, talent, talent is the guy that it's hard to press to get him in there. Uh, is the guy that works hard and earns his skill level. And I'm not saying Brandon's like that, but I'm just saying that um, he may be the kid that, that, he, you know, he's earning it. He doesn't want to get automatically get, you know, it, it given to him. So he's fighting for it. Well, Omar was a little different. Everybody was kind of jumping on that wagon a little too early, too soon. Yeah, he looks so good in those in those uh, showbox fights, just like drilling, you know, other prospects in one or two rounds. And uh, you know, his, his style was so exciting. I think people really wanted him to 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 be to succeed and be like the next great fighter. Um, and, you know, it just didn't quite pan out. I mean, he did win a world title. He got a couple of nice wins, you know, Ricky Burns and so on, but, uh, and Robert Guerrero, but, uh, yeah, he ballooned up in weight and, you know, the, the his last fight kind of oh, was yeah. like a bridge too far against Ugas. <laughs> Ugas just took him to school. So, yeah, man, well, listen, Brent, you know, not to bag on Omar so much because. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, not to bag on him so much, because, you know, when even when Omar uh, was talked, talked up about being the next great thing, there was a lot of other fighters, you know, like you had uh, uh, Frankie Gomez, uh, you had uh, Jose Benavides Jr., um, and, that was, and I think it was because we had such a dry spell, or there was a panic that there was not going to be another star, you know, um, to come out of boxing, and especially a Mexican star. Um, we were, I, I think fight fans were thirsting for it and promoters knew that. So they were all kind of rushing, rushing to, to, to the ring to find that next big thing. Um, nobody was letting, letting these guys kind of develop. We were just kind of rushing them to that pinnacle that we were hoping they were going to get. They didn't work them to it. They just pushed them there. And I think that was the problem with a lot of these guys. Where, as of right now, we're seeing these, a lot of these younger fighters, prospects, are starting to get, you know, slowly built up to that, to that platform uh, was rightfully so the right way, which is fighting, you know, uh, uh, doing it the right, the, the traditional way, get in the ring. 
Right, right. Absolutely. 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 So, yeah, man, I mean, I, I love I love Brandon Figueroa. And on the undercard, they had a great fighter, great young fighter out of Philly. Really like him a lot. Stephen Fulton. Um, he beat another, I mean, he's fought like five or six, like, undefeated fighters on the way up. I mean, he has not been put in light. Um, and he beat uh, another undefeated kid from Mexico, uh, Isaac Avalar. He stopped him with a body shot in the sixth round. You know, Fulton is, you know, he's he's got kind of the, another lightly regarded crown at uh, 122. He's the IBO champ. But but he's a guy who's, he's come up, he's a great amateur fighter, and, and he's come up tough. And he's, you know, now he's 17-0, and 0, eight knockouts. And now they're talking about putting him in with Figueroa. I mean, it's it's a great Ooh. fight, but is it too soon? I mean, both of these guys are just coming onto the horizon, you know, and and uh, and uh, you know, seem like they they can be stars, but you know, to match them now seems a little premature, right? You know, you know, that's a that's a double edged sword. The reason is because fight fans want to see the best fights put together. Fight right. fans want to see prospects get tested you know they want to see if they got a chin they want to see if they can fight another guy that's hungry like them they want to see them fight a gatekeeper uh they want to see them be dragged through the mud put into the deep end uh, uh, of the ocean to see whether they swim or they sink right um but a lot of times um as a fight fan speaking as a fight fan sometimes we just don't know what the hell we want or what we're looking at and i think that's when some managers need to step in and say hey is this the right time? Because I could tell you this. I remember back in 2012 when um, there was some talks of Howell Diaz Jr. and Guy Rob at the time out of Sacramento. Uh, there was talks of them getting in the ring. And everybody was like, oh, man, that'd be a great fight. But then I was talking to, to people in the business. They were like, that fight shouldn't happen. Right. right. It's going to be a great fight, but that fight should not happen. And then it got, it got made. And it happened in Vegas. And I, I was lucky enough to be there right there ringside to cover the fight. And it was an all-out war from both guys. Both guys were going at it. But the guy that took the beating uh, the most was Guy Rob. And you know what? After that, both the guys really didn't do much after the career. Guy, guy Rob went off. He went on a dry spell, then later gets stopped. Uh, and that was the end of his career. Uh, Joel Diaz uh, uh, Jr., same thing. Um, they weren't putting him in with real tests anymore because that fight took so much out of him, you know, that now both guys never got to meet the potential that so many of us thought they would eventually reach, you know. Uh, I'll give you another example. Timothy Bradley. You remember when Timothy Bradley was given a lot of heat about Devon Alexander? Everybody was like, we want to see that fight right now. And Timothy Bradley was kind of holding it off saying, this fight shouldn't happen. This guy is not ready for me. The, you know, Devon, uh, uh, um, Alexander's not ready. And then it ended up happening. And guess what? The fight didn't live up to that hype. Right. So sometimes I think things should just be hold off a bit to see whether or not um, if these guys are going to meet down, down the road. Yeah, does it derail it sometimes? It does, but that's boxing. But I always like to find the peak, the right peak of these two fighters to get in. To me right now, I think there's enough for them to do. Well, maybe not because everybody seems to be another, uh, another uh, avenues other streets right 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 when you when you talk about the champions yeah like you've said, got it's double x yeah you got navarrete right. and and uh daniel roman and ray vargas and you know pretty much you know one's on espn the other two are on uh the zone 
So, yeah, and these guys are on PVC, so they're kind of, you know, they're all on their different islands, you know. Um, I mean, I love the fight, but, yeah, I, I completely hear what you're saying. And, when you know, when I was, you know, I managed a lot of uh, young prospects coming up, and I partnered with uh, probably one of the best matchmakers ever, Johnny Boz. And uh, Boz's philosophy was, you know, listen, sometimes the best fights are the fights you don't take, you know. Um you know, when you when you're when you're grooming somebody and and and, and right. you're bringing them up and and you know you're looking for them to be a star, you know you you don't take like the toughest fight out there, you know, at every turn. I mean, I I admire Stephen Fulton's courage and 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 his management's courage <laughs> in taking on some. I mean, they took on an undefeated Adam Lopez, who right. people think are is is a great prospect, and they beat him in a close fight. They took on uh, Josh Greer, you know, Touch of Sleep Greer, whatever his, his, his nickname is now, the, the top-ranked sign. He beat him, too. I mean, he's, he's beaten some great young fighters, but the problem is nobody saw those fights. You know, those were on undercards, and those guys didn't make any money. You know, and, and when you have a really right. bright prospect, do you really, you know, you only get so many knocks to the head before it starts to affect you, man, you know, so... It's, it's kind of like, you know, right. it's, a, it's a balancing act. You want them tested, but, you know... You don't want them in wars every time out, like you said. I mean, you know, you, you know prospects can ruin each other. It, you know, it can it can happen. So, um, you know, listen, it's 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 a crapshoot. So we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, to to my mind, it's a little too soon. It's a little too soon. I think these guys could, you know, use a little more seasoning and a little more buildup so that uh, so it's worth it for both camps. You know, uh, I'm I'm completely with you on that. You know. But but I'll tell you what the ghoul, the boxing ghoul in me wants to see it happen. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, <You> know? <laughs> no doubt. I know it's like you know you 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 put your manager's hat on. You're saying one thing, but you know you put your boxing fan cap on. It's just, it's quite the opposite, right? You want to see you just want to see the great fights, and and that indeed would be a great fight. You know, two really skilled, you know, young guys. Not... Right, and you know what? I, I gotta say this: it's such a tough tough job to be a matchmaker um fight fans don't really know how tough of a job it is you know uh like i i, I take my hat off to like a uh, uh robert diaz i remember talking to robert diaz off air on air and um ryan garcia and he knew exactly what he had in front of him um uh, and he knew the heat that he was he they i mean he still continues to be getting right now uh, uh of how they have to develop them you know the guy Stardom actually uh, is way ahead of what he's done in terms of deserving in the ring, right? Um, but he has to stay, he, Diaz has to stay very level-headed and understand what he has in front of him and watch tons and tons and tons of tapes of different fighters and understand what, where his fighter is being developed, how, you know, he's improving, where he needs to, you know, a little bit more uh, improvement in. And, and to me, that's a difficult thing to do because, if I was a matchmaker, Kurt, I'd be pretty shitty out of it because I'd let pride get in the way. I'd be like, you know what, my guy can kick you guys' guy. Yeah, get him in there, you know. Where you can't do that in this business. You know what I mean? You just can't do that. You can't allow. You can't allow personal feelings, which is very difficult to do. I'm pretty sure you've been in the business for so Absolutely. long. Absolutely, I've, uh, I've to definitely get in the way to cloud your vision. I put my you know? guys in there, and, and, and you know, I've, I've overestimated their abilities a couple times. Yeah, I've definitely made mistakes with guys, and and, and you're kicking yourself afterwards, but. But you learn, you know, I mean, you, you don't know till they're, till they're in there, till they're in there tough, uh, whether they got it or not. For sure. For sure. Um, uh, 
I was gonna. I, I was. I had something in mind. I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> but oh, um, I hate that. I hate when I. Do oh that. no no no! Yeah. You were talking about Ryan. You you talking about Ryan Garcia? Ryan Garcia to me is a really intriguing case because yeah, he's you know good looking kid. He's got all of the media hype, right. you know, especially social media. The kid's like the king of social media. And um, and the thing is, he's right. got tools, David. I mean, he's got like tremendous hand speed and 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 when he you know he's connected with you know just you know highlight reel one punch knockouts i think it probably went to his head a little bit because you know he's got those natural tools and he's got you know pretty damn good amateur background too he's got a good foundation but then you see like you know his his defense is just like putting his hands up and turning his body (laughs) you know i mean it's like like beyond basic you know i mean so he's got some like really huge red flags along with just some of some really awesome you know, weapons and, and, and natural gifts. So I love the move He's, to uh, Chepo, uh, you know, Reynoso. I, I love that because I think they've, they've done an amazing job with Canelo. And the fact that he gets better with every fight still, I mean, it tells you those guys are, are, are top class, top right. class trainers. And I, and I can see them slowly improving Ryan. You know, I think that was a tremendous move. Um, you know, they're matching him kind of tough, though, in, in, in his next fight. He's taking on a Philly fighter whose record looks right. really unimposing, um, Avery Sparrow. But he's one of those Philly fighters who's just a natural-born fighter and, and, you know, knows how to fight. And uh, that's going to be a hell of a test. It really is going to be a hell of a test. And the, and the thing with Ryan, too, you know, David, if he loses, oh, everyone's just going to completely jump off the hype train and he's going to catch it, man. Because there's, there's a lot of haters oh. out there with him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, he's brought it on himself, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's yeah. be honest. Um, when you, you, you know, let's here's the thing. He's every promoter's dream. Yeah. The kid knows how to market himself. Um, just like when Bob Arum uh, got a hold of Oscar De La Hoya. Had the looks, had a good backstory. Uh, all, you know, all the necessities to build a star. Ryan has the image but he doesn't, to me, not yet, he doesn't have what Oscar has. What's his, the real pure boxing abilities. Doesn't have the jab. Uh, doesn't have the IQ of what Oscar De La Hoya had at the time. Right. Um, that still needs to be all developed, you know. Um, and, and slowly, really guy um, it, who's a natural fighter who's going to go out there and and fight to win, not just to fight to show up. Right. Um, that to me is, is going to be the test because I, I tell you this, you know about Ryan. He's got the hand speed, but every time I watch him, and you're right, Chepo and the team have done really good with small adjustments. What they've done with him, right. you know. Um, but. It's always going to be, in my opinion, it's always going to be a question every fight until he gets to that defined fight to erase all questions about him, you know, because this Philly kid that gets, that's going to get in there with him, um, in my opinion, may take him to the breaking point of a breaking test point of whether or not Chuppel's, uh training methods are really, really working because, you know, Ryan's always been the bigger kid, right. you know, taller, faster, um, when we did see him uh, get get confused in there is when somebody starts trying to maul, maul him up a bit, you know, and he didn't really know what to do and find the inside. He's been fighting a little bit better in the inside, 
you know? So I, I'm, I, my curiosity comes with, okay, we saw him do that, but he was fighting a smaller guy. Um, and, 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 and what happens when he gets in there with a guy that's a little bit more determined that can actually fight inside with him? What, what happens then? Does he stick to his game plan? Does he stick to what Chef and them have been doing? Or does he fall and crumble all apart? You know, because we know he can market himself beautifully. We just don't know how good of a fighter he can become. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, uh, with Sparrow, you know, those those Philly trainers are in the lab right now looking at <laughs> looking really close at everything Garcia does and see what they can see how they can pick him apart. Um it's 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 I mean I, that's gonna be a great fight. I'm really looking forward to that one. Really looking forward to that one. But hey man, let's let's talk about the big guys. Uh Pretty interesting development this week. You had, uh, it seems like, the Andy Ruiz-Anthony uh, Joshua rematch is on uh, for Saudi Arabia in December. Um, but it's interesting, you know, especially for, for my profession when, uh, you know, someone just happened to be, you know, trolling the uh, the dockets, the federal dockets, and they saw, wow, you know, uh, Matchroom just, you know, filed a lawsuit against uh, against Andy Ruiz and and uh, you know Tom Tom Brown uh, promotions, um, but uh, you know so I was like, whoa, you know maybe this isn't a done deal. Did you really think that it was going to go that easy though? <laughs> Kurt, let me ask you that. Did, did you really think that it was going to go that smooth? I mean, because I remember when the fight happened after, there was people giving me a lot of flack because I had a uh, uh, sit on social media like the rematch is not going to happen so smoothly. Mm. Trust me, once you have the belt things change. Right. And exactly that's what happened. And I said, and you got Al Heyman on your corner as, as well. Things are going to change a bit. Uh, um, guys, uh, uh, you know, uh, contracts, contracts are contracts in, in boxing, but what's stated in there is completely different where we don't really know what's being put in those contracts. So I didn't know what was being put in that contract of whether or not they had, they had a fight on a certain day, whether or not they had a fight on UK, UK soil, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're right. But I also said that in boxing, and I'm pretty sure um, you would know more about this, sometimes boxing contracts don't even really matter. It could be broken. It could be torn apart. Some promoters with a lot of money are willing to go to court, you know what I mean, and, 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 and delay it for as long as they can to get what they want, try to outweigh the other guy. So right. I wasn't surprised by this, you know, right. that there was going to be, be such a, 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 a wait. And it really wasn't that long of a wait, if you really right. think about it. Right. Wasn't that long of a wait? Yeah, I think you know? I think with this one, just you know, I, I don't know the exact you know wording in the contracts, and I, I don't know the the deal that uh, that these guys struck. But just knowing, you know, um, of the contract negotiations between uh, Matchroom and, and Miller, um, and 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 kind of you know, kind of knowing what 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 went on with that, um, pretty sure that that what they had. For the rematch clause was that um, you've got, um, you know, that basically the rematch you have the promoter has the ability to name the site and and the date, like you know, like Matchroom had exclusive right, right to do that. So Ruiz had no 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 say in that, and also apparently he agreed to like a sum certain. I, what did they say it was like seven or eight million dollars? I don't know, six, seven million, or you know, for the, or I think it was eight million dollars for the for the rematch. Um, so all of that was kind of in black and white. But like you say, I mean, once, but because you know, not every single detail is ironed out. You know, Ruiz is gonna like fight and kick and scream, and especially when they found out how much money 
Eddie Hearn was getting from Saudi Arabia. They're just like, hell no, we're not taking what, what we got in there. But I think what you saw with <laughs> what, what you saw with this lawsuit was, you know, they were fighting, they were fighting, they were fighting as much as they could. But then, you know, I think when Eddie probably, I mean, we don't know what went on behind the scenes, but I'm sure Eddie was threatening the lawsuit. When he actually filed the lawsuit, they, you know, they're kind of like, listen, we're not going to win this lawsuit. So, I mean, it's in black and white. So if they're offering us a couple million more, you know, we got, we got to take it. So, um, I mean, I, I don't have any inside information that that's how it played out, but that's, that's my best guess as to how it played out. Uh, you, you know, you, you know what, if, if I had my way, because nowadays everybody's intrigued with reality TV shows, if I'm wrong, wouldn't we all be glued to the TV if these promoters and these managers put cameras, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, cameras on on their hats and just let us watch every detail <laughs> every argument <laughs> every contract being drawn up uh so that we could have a glimpse of their world of what was happening to me it's really interesting you yeah. know i know that some people don't want to hear the politics of it but right. i sit back and and I, I don't get i don't get that upset i don't know why but i'm not one of those that get so outraged of what you know one guy is doing you know uh or like hearing that Dana White wants to get in the boxing or Jay-Z was getting in the boxing. I'm not one of those that get so upset with it, um, but I'm very intrigued by it. I'm very intrigued of how are they going to, you know, mess uh, with each other to make make good fights happen. And, 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 you know, as much as the kicking and screaming that we were witnessing, not just between the two fighters, um, but the fans as well, um, I got to I got to tell you this that that it made it it made it more interesting to want to witness this rematch now. You yeah. know where I, whereas I would have been okay cuz I said this. I said that you know what if it doesn't happen I'm cool with it because there's so many other players in the division that makes uh that will make a good round of boxing that I'm okay with it. But since there was bickering the way there was I tell you what, I, I'm now very, very much interested in seeing this rematch. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess not surprisingly, when people fight over money, they get a little bitter about it. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, look look at Canelo and Triple G, man. I think like the, their negotiations and all the right. stuff that went on pre-fight is pretty much, you know, they had a good relationship before the first fight and now they're like bitter enemies, man. So, so yeah, I think it definitely adds some, <laughs> yep. it, it, it adds spice. It adds spice to, to Ruiz uh, Joshua too. And it's funny that you talk about the the reality show, uh, you know, like behind the scenes. Because I remember when they did the Super Six on on Showtime, one of the episodes they had, like you know, right. was, was like a behind the scenes with the promoters all talking about it. And everyone's like, "Damn, that was cool, man!" <laughs> he actually got to see you know these guys, you know, talking about you know the the fights and kind of jockeying for a position right. and all this. So like, that's interesting stuff. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, you know we, every sport kind of, you know, like, like we, na- we, nowadays, we, like NBA free agency is like more interesting than the actual season. You know, it's like, who's going to get what? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it is, you know, fans do like to have a glimpse of that insight. You know, I'm leaving a ring a long time ago when we, when I had started, I actually, uh, did a series, um, and uh, I was talking to Comcast back in that time. I can't even remember. I think it was like in 2010. But I went and I, what, I, what the series was it, was, it was called The Hurt Game. Mm. And what we did is we went and interviewed a promoter, a manager, a cut man, uh, the, the, the fighter that was coming up at the time, which was Andre Ward, 
uh, a trainer, which was coming up at the time, was had a lot of clout at the time, was Henry Ramirez, um, and 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 then uh, Chris Oriola. Uh, we we interviewed a bunch of these people, and that the, some fighters, but a lot of the people behind the business, and we wanted to kind of show you that that world. So, and I was only able to release um, one of the episodes, which I put it on our YouTube channel. Uh, or actually, two of them, I believe. No, no, just one that we really did. It, we edited it pretty well, as much as we could at that time, because it was so limited um, with the YouTube. Um, and we put the Henry uh, Ramirez interview. But yeah, I mean, I, I, when I went and did that, I went and spoke to uh, uh, Dan Goosen, who, who's no longer with us. Right. I had a great sit down with him. But then I had a chance to go sit down with a very small promoter in uh, Tijuana and had a, had a chance to hear their horror stories of what they go through uh, of setting up these smaller cards and, and dealing with, with fighters uh, that either don't show up or they can't seem to find um, a fill in. So they got to make the guy uh, switch the ID IDs and, and, and step in, step in place for the commission. Even though the commission knows that this guy, all this guy's doing, it's like, he's, I mean, the guy could give an ID of his sister. And all they need is an ID to let them step into the ring. They didn't even care if the name matched or the face matched on the picture, you know. And right. I've always sat back and said, man, wouldn't it be great if somebody with right now uh, that has the power to do that, uh, bring up a series like that, you know? Right. I mean, right. I would probably release what I have, but it's outdated now. You know what I mean? There's, a lot of right. the players no longer exist in, in boxing right now. It's funny. I think uh... – Gary Shaw at one point in time was trying to get like a reality show uh, done on him, but uh, that, uh, that that didn't quite uh, take. But um, but yeah, it would it would definitely be interesting, you know, when 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 you know to 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 see how the the sausage is made, you know, <laughs> like how negotiations go, and right. you know, um, I mean, listen, I think what what would probably be more interesting is if you have, you know, I mean, everyone's kind of you know the formula for these like pre-fight things, you know, the twenty four sevens and all that. I mean, it's kind of it's been there, done that. I think maybe, you know, maybe you include a little more of the business side uh, on it, you know, and I think that would maybe uh, spice it up or, you know, make it a little fresher, um, you know, when they when they do these type of things. But um, speaking of uh, the business and guys getting into the business, I definitely want to talk to you about, uh, you know, you said you had a, a chance to listen to the to Dana White's interview with, uh, with Chris Mannix and Dana's talking about how yeah. he, uh, you know, he... Uh, he's going to make big announcements in October. And I mean, I, we've kind of heard this before though, because he's been talking about Zufa boxing for a right. couple of years. You know, there's always going to be a big announcement. Oh, we're going to do it then. You know, it, you, know, and, uh, you know, he hasn't really gotten it going, but it does seem like he's, he's a little more uh, uh, serious about it this time. So, you know what, I mean, what, what do you expect uh, is, is going to happen in October? And uh, you know, what, what do you think about Dana White getting into the boxing business? Well, I mean, he's already dabbing in it. You know, he's doing stuff with Lou DiBella, right? Right. Uh, he's putting Lou's with Broadway uh, boxing on his uh, UFC pass. Um, you know, I think some of the points that he brought up being that boxing is fractured. And uh, it, it's, it's always been the, um, the entry to somebody with money to step into boxing because they understand that the, the structure is not there. It's fractured. You know, Al Heyman understood that. Al Heyman did a fantastic job of being invisible with a lot of power. 
and uh, building a brand, not building fighters. That's, I don't think that was his main plan. His plan was to build a brand to sell it as a TV package to networks. Um, I'm not sure what Dana can do. And I don't even think Dana really knows at, at this point, because I think he was being very realistic in that interview with Chris Manis, which Chris did a great job. Right, um, I think Chris it. was trying to get, he did. He did. It, it's, it, at the limit that he was able to, because I, I, I could really feel that Chris wanted to get the in-depth interview that he asked Dana to be on for. Right. But Dana immediately shut that down by saying, hey, I can't reveal this. I can't reveal that. Now, normally, I've done over 100, 200 interviews. And normally, when I get somebody off the bat telling me, I can't really do this, well, blah, 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 that already tells me it's because they don't really, either don't have all the information, um, the knowledge of it, or truth is, is they just don't want you to know about it. <laughs> right, you know? right. Uh, because maybe there's, they're already in dealings with contracts, and it could affect, it could ruin uh, whatever's being you know, put down, uh, 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 up forth. So <clears throat> that's not what I got off of him. But, but with him saying, though, um, this is what I would want to do, but I'm not even sure if it could work. I actually, I actually enjoyed that. I don't know if that makes any sense. I enjoyed it because he was, there was truth to what he was saying. Because right. everybody comes in with great ideas for boxing. We've seen this. Yes. This, this is not the first time. We've seen a power player come into the sport and say, hey, well, I could do this because they believe all that is needed is money. Right. And or... that's not how it works. Or yeah. they're, they're going to come in and, like, change everything that's wrong with boxing. But, you know, no, right. no, nothing ever gets changed. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, um, you know, as much as boxing is kind of governed by, like, government, the way it's so fractured right now, of the state that we're at right now, um, there are there is no chosen one. <laughs> right, right. There's no chosen one right. to fix all right. of this here, right. you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a completely different environment than than what he's operating in in MMA. Where I mean, the UFC, in essence, I mean they they invented modern day MMA. You know, I mean they they created right. a sport. You know, I mean, boxing's been around for you know over a century, and and you know it's it's exactly it, it kind of you know at this point in time, like you said, you know they there's never been that aha moment like you know, barnstorming baseball teams had and barnstorming football teams had where they're like, wow, let's form, you know, a league. Let's, you know, all work together collectively or like NASCAR did or like the the tennis players did or the golfers did. You know, they there's never been that moment where, you know, uh, they've, they've all decided to work collectively together for, for you know, the, the greater good of the sport. And amazing how when you do that, it works out like suddenly, you know, your sport maxes out its potential. You know, you bring in, you know, a ton more money than you were making before. And, you know, people can can follow the sport because the best are all in one place and they're competing against each other. Boxing, for whatever reason, just just refuses. You know, they've gotten the memo, but but they just refuse to do anything about it. I don't know that Dana White. I mean, Dana White's going to be a, a big player coming in. I mean, he's going to have a lot of money behind him, right? Yeah. I mean, he's got uh, uh, William Morris behind him. Um, but you know, you got to have the horses. You know, in boxing, you know, you 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 got to have it. you got to have the great fighters, and they're all spread out. I mean, we we were conjecturing. You know, John Nash and I had both heard that. You know, 
Uh, they were thinking of buying the PBC, and it's been confirmed that there were meetings, but there have been meetings for a long time. I don't know if there's anything imminent or not with that, but I mean, if, if he's going to make any splash in the sport, he's going to have to have a, a decent roster of fighters to wield any power. And um, to me, that seemed that that would seem seemingly be the only the only way he's going to make any kind of difference. I mean, if he's just got a bunch of guys who can't fight, I mean, no one's going to care. I mean, bo- the boxing crowd is, you know, they're they're vociferous, they're sophisticated, they're cynical. You know, if you don't have the goods, they'll let you know. <laughs> so yeah, and here's another thing too the the UFC brand is 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 thriving, right? They, oh, absolutely. They have their brand. He's done. They've done a great job, the, the whole team for today. I look at it as like any entrepreneur, when you have your baby, your business, it's your baby. And you, 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 once you start losing, trying to like create another baby, a twin, that never seems to pan out correctly. Right. Because now you're taken away from the other stuff, you know. And to me, Dana would have to put 120, 30, 60 percent. In the boxing, um, it's a long haul game in boxing. It's not a short haul game with them. You know, uh, we see this with promoters. I see a lot of, uh, I, I get a lot of, uh, 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 you know, uh, press releases from promoters that are starting up their company and, uh, hey, could you take a look at this? And they're probably around for about a good year. I mean, that, that's a good run, a good year, but then they're gone. Right. They're a whistle in the wind. Right. You know, because they can't seem to get their, you know, real horses to run in their race. You know, and that's the first thing, first thing that popped in my head. I said this a long time ago when I remember Dana was talking about uh, getting into boxing. Um, um, if I remember correctly, I mean, well, I, I remember this. Gabriel Montoya interviewed uh, Dana White, and this is when Dana was saying boxing was dead because right. HBO killed, the, well, not HBO, the Vegas killed the sport of boxing, took away uh, the formula of building fighters, which is hometown-grown fighters. You know, not letting them fight in their hometown, putting them in small casinos. And I completely agreed with that. I was like, we've right. been saying this for a long time. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And um, and 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 he was mentioning all that. And I was like, well, the only way you can really, really um, have a successful promotion business is if you have the right horses in uh, on your team. Uh, the way Al Heyman did it, you know, right. Al, Al, you know, snuck in the back door. And went out the front door with a bunch of fighters, you know, which was, hey, it's a business. It's cutthroat. I know some folks don't like it. Some folks get really upset. Uh, mentioned Schaefer's name. There's grinding the teeth, but business is business. <laughs> right. You, you know what I mean? Uh, and it's I been never, like that for I, a I, long time. Yeah. I mean, oh, King, King and Aram used absolutely. to completely sabotage each other to get fighters. Man, <laughs> It's like they went back and forth trying absolutely. to steal each other's fighters. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a draw of blood in this game, you know. And 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 but you know what? I I welcome Dana, right? Because he is a he is another character for the sport, um, and he may be able to to. He's got a, he's got charisma, right? And uh, I, I think that just like Eddie Hearn, uh, Eddie Eddie has this way of speaking to people and and making people uh, uh, you know draw them in. Uh, I mean, come on, man. I mean, I've never seen fans. Uh, stand up for a promoter the way I see fans right now. I mean, he's got a cult following them right now. You know, you say anything bad about Eddie and they come at you like if you spoke about their dad or something, you know, that's pretty crazy. So I think Dana may be able to do that, bring the, the, the American uh, uh, audience, uh, uh, white young audience 
that are not intrigued by boxing right now. He may be able to bring that uh, graphic to the sport of boxing for a short bit and, and show them a glimpse of what we love. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point. I think, you know, um, you know, if, if there's an audience that's kind of been lost a little bit, because, you know, white, white guys used to be, you know, there used to be a lot of great white fighters in the sport. And, you know, by the 70s, you know, the white guys were, you know, just not really competing and, 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 uh, and becoming champions anymore. So I think people kind of lost it, you know, white people. Lost interest in the sport. I think I can, you know, as a white person, I think I can speak a little bit for white people. They lost a little bit of interest in the sport, but yeah, and, and there's no secret that you know it's you know uh, the UFC has you know has a has a pretty strong white following. So uh, yeah, you know, bring bring them on in. You know, uh, uh, you know, like you said, Dana's talked about um, you know the sport being broken, and, and he makes a lot of great points. I mean, he the one you know I, I was trying to like you know piece out like what 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 he actually is going to do to fix it um one of the things he's talking <laughs> yeah one of the things he's talking about is maybe spreading the wealth a little more kind of like they do in the ufc but right but 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 everyone knows that you know <laughs> the ufc fighters you know they, they don't get anywhere near the percentage cut that the boxers do uh, no. on those fights so no um you know dana white kind of has the more of a don king model of boxing <laughs> where it's like you know the the right, and what I mean, you know, what, what is the, he talking about? Al Al is really he has spread the wealth. Let's not take that away from Al Heyman. Oh, these fighters are making great money, right? You know, and it's it's even making these fighters not want to fight other really challenges because they're getting paid so well. Right. You know, so that's that's why I would have put a stop to. I'd be like, well, wait a minute. You know, you're 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 saying that these fighters are not getting paid. They are getting paid. Oh, that's definitely. why we're seeing fights not being made that the way it used to be you know where guys wanted to fight for 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 legacy now we see guys more fighting for their for their wallet which rightfully so right. you know um i i said this a long time ago on me ring i said um we asked for something for so long we asked for our fighters to get smarter in business and then we finally got it and now we're we're pissed about it right. because they're not dumbing themselves anymore you right you know right um but but like i said dana um when I heard that part with Chris Mann, when he said that, I spread the wealth. My guys are buying houses and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but your guys are not even getting paid a fraction of what the with, with, with boxers are getting paid and stuff. And you've always had a monopoly over what is said and what is done uh, with your fighters, you know. Right. Um, but like I said, I, 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 welcome, I welcome him to the I think it's, he's a great addition to whatever he can do, but I think it's going to be short-lived, like his uh, his boxing uh, contender series that he had. At one, <laughs> yeah, exactly. People forget short. that he had that <laughs> reality show that like fell flat, like nobody watched it. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, nobody watched it. Yeah. Again, yeah, it's it's all about the horses. I mean, you know, there's speculation. He's talked about he's hired someone who's gonna who's gonna run the the boxing side of it or help run the boxing side of it, and you know, a lot of speculation about who that is. Some people think it's. Keith uh, was a Veltre from uh, uh, Roy Jones uh, Promotions, who's who's working with Dana now. Uh, you know, putting all those fights on Fight Pass, or someone said Kerry Davis, maybe the old uh, HBO exec. I have no idea who it is, but uh, I'll be interested to find out. And yeah, you know, listen, wel- welcome to boxing, Dana. You know, I hope uh, 
I hope that uh, you work more with other promoters in, in boxing than you do in uh, MMA, which is pretty much non-existent, uh, you know, uh, fights between promotions. See, we don't but... even know how his negotiating skills are with, with other promoters because of that reason. Right. Right? Right. And, and we don't even know how aggressive he's going to be to try right. to get the right ponies in his, in his stable. You know, I mean, is he going to be disown aggressive? Is he going to be Al Heyman aggressive? I, I mean, um, I think I think so. Know, or, he's, or, he's a bully, you know. I mean, he's 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 a driven guy, and you know, and but so is Aram, and so is Heyman, and so is Hearn. So I hope it doesn't like you know right. create like a fourth island where you know only Dana's fighters fight Dana's fighters, and you know, I just hope it doesn't fracture the sport further. You know, it, it, ideally he'd come in with a lot of money and and a network and and uh, you know, kind of uh, do things like the the you know, uh, the super series is doing, you know, the world boxing super series where, you know, create some tournaments and, 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 you know, bring the, uh, bring the, uh, William Morris money where they're actually, you know, these, maybe the other promoters can, well, you know, like Aram hasn't really participated in the, in the world boxing super series. Like it'd be nice if these guys all came together and, in and got that going. Yeah. Any tournament. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Except for me. I mean, yeah, he since since the sixties when Bob did the heavyweight tournament. Yeah, I don't know that any of his fighters have really done any tournament action, but uh, but yeah, right, but, right. But hey, man, let's. Uh, I mean, Dana, Dana. Go ahead. Just really quick, I just put it. I think with Dana to finish it off with Dana, though, I, I tell you what, he does bring to the table. He he had he's a marketing genius. The yes. guy knows how to package some very well. And it's something that boxing could really, really use. So if that's one thing that, that he has on his side uh, to entice fighters to jump from whatever stable they're at into his pony stable, it'd be how he would package you right? because he does a great job. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I think Bob Arum and, and Eddie Hearn have, have admitted that they've, they've basically looked at the UFC and how they presented events and they've learned a lot. You know, they've changed the way they do business. So, yeah, I mean, there's... No two ways about it. Dana brings a lot to the sport. You know, I mean, he really does. I mean, yeah. you know, you can't deny the UFC success and, and how they basically took a company that was failing and and uh, turned it around and made it into this, you know, monster that has a, a massive TV deal on ESPN and has become, you know, almost, a you know, pretty much a mainstream sport at this point in time. So, yeah, I mean, you know, welcome, welcome Dana. Well, you know, let's let's see what you can do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just I wanted to get into your background a little bit uh, before I let you go. Um just wanted to get, uh, you know, into your background, like, you know, where you're from and, and, and uh, you know, how'd you first get interested in, in boxing? Ooh, okay. So <laughs> I got into the sport because of my grandfather. Okay. Uh, my grandfather, Mario, um, who, uh, who raised me um, at a very young age, uh, you know, my uncles, cousins, uh, all fight fans or or involved in, in, in boxing, uh, was going to a boxing gym at a young age called Starlight in the uh, east side of San Jose. Um, I'm sorry, downtown San Jose, and then he moved to the east side. I was born in downtown San Jose, born and raised in downtown San Jose my whole life. Um, always loved the sport. Uh, boxed for, for, for a while when I, can't, when I was able to, because uh, I started a family at a very young age. Um, was a plumber for 24 years and how I got into like covering the sport, being part of the media uh, was because um, a really good friend of mine named Butch Collins um, was like my boxing brother from another mother. 
uh, was a guy that I was, uh, you know, because I used to commute uh, to, you know, four hours out of the, out of the day uh, to work and back, you know, it was, it was in total four hours. And, uh, and, uh, and Butch used to through those, those times in, in traffic. And all we did was talk boxing. Mm. We, we talked about life here and there, but it always evolved around boxing. And, uh, he used to, he used to train out of the King's gym out of Oakland where, uh, Virgil Hunter and Andre Ward were from. He knew them very well. Uh, he knew Ward and, and Hunter really good, uh, um, before Ward even went pro. Um, I remember we used to get in very heated arguments about Ward because I didn't think very much of Ward in the beginning. I, I you know, I watched Ward in the Olympics and stuff, whatever, whatever. And then what happened is, is my buddy, um, he passed away. Mm. Uh, at a really young, really, really young age. He was only 32 years old and uh, it had a major effect on me, man. Um, mm. I mean, I went to like a really dark place, you know, mm. and my sister <clears throat> um, was coming around. You know, so uh-huh. I didn't really, you know, this like 2007, 2008, right? There wasn't okay. a whole lot of the Internet stuff. I mean, I, there was, but I was not into it, right? Right. And, uh, and my sister came down and brought me a computer and she was like, uh, Hey, check these, check this thing call, out called YouTube. Uh, and there's these guys that go on there and they talk boxing. And, uh, so she set it up for me and, uh, I started watching it and, and I just kind of binged on it. Right. Mm. And, uh, I was, a, I was a subscriber to max boxing. So I, I read a lot. I read like, you know, I collected ring magazines. I mean, Dude, I wore out Ring magazines and like <laughs> Boxing Digest. Right. And, you know, whenever I can get a hold of, I just wore it out from page. I would read an article literally 10, 20 times, you know, um, because it, it was my fix. You know, I had to get my fix in. So when I got a hold of this YouTube and I watched it, I binged on it. I watched all these guys' videos, and this is like blood boxing and pound for pound boxing. And, um, God, I can't remember all the names anymore. But, um, I remember like one of the guys, uh, um, see, and these guys are the reason why I got on YouTube. Anyways, they were saying some stuff. Oh no, it was Pound for Pound. That's right. Pound for Pound was talking about Mexican fighters, saying how Mexican fighters weren't very intelligent fighters. And I was like, and my sister by chance was there. And I started cussing at the screen. I was like, what the F are these guys talking about? Dude? Mm. Like, I've never, I've, they've never seen Salvador Sanchez. And I started going off about, you know, some of the most intelligent fighters to ever grace the ring for Mexico. And then my sister comes in. She's like, what's, what's wrong with you? And I was just telling her, these guys don't know what the hell they're talking about. So my sister goes, well, if you think you know so much, buddy, why don't you do a video? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was like, no, that's stupid. <laughs> I, was like, I don't have a voice. I don't, you know what I mean? I, who's going to want to listen to me? And my sister's like, I don't know. Just get on there. Why don't you talk about things that you think that should be covered that nobody's, you know, covering? And I was like, well, um, I'll, I'll talk about things that, that, that I would like to hear. If there was, a, if there was a, a radio show out there to listen to if I was on, on a commute drive. And uh, so my, like, I think my very first video was talking about the Contender Series, about why the success wasn't there, why it was being dropped by networks, and hmm. et cetera, et cetera. That was just, it was just my, my, own, my opinion. And then, um, then the next video was about, cause a lot of folks were saying, uh, I was, there was comments and stuff. They were saying, uh, Hey, Antonio Margarito and Paul Williams are just big old bullies at 147. 
and then I was just trying to point out, you know, that this has been done for years. You know, guys normally not fighting at their natural weight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And next, you know it, man, I, I started getting um, requests. And, 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 you know, from the first one was like 100-something views that when I dropped the Oscar De La Hoya versus Manny Pacquiao video, I did like, I think in, in one week, man, like 3,000 something views. Mm. Mm. And then I started dropping more videos and all of a sudden Jack Mosley, I think I was like eight or 10 videos in or something. And Jack Mosley reached out to me uh, on YouTube and said, hey, I'd like for you to come down to Pomona and uh, do an interview. And I was just like, what? Like, uh, dude, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a media guy. I don't know anything about that. I'm not a journalist. Uh, um, you know, I'm just a guy that likes to chop it up boxing and, and you know, I'm a fanatic. That's what I am. You know, I'm a boxing zombie. <laughs> and uh, he said, no, come through. So we went down there and you could see that video. That video is up on the, on the 97 rough channel. And you could see how on raw and unprepared, <laughs> yeah. you know, that I was, but the, the good thing is I watched so much tape of, of, of like Shane Mosley and I was a fan of Shane. And then I had read in, in numerous like KO um, articles, ring articles about matches that, or, or like, you know, um, um, ground fights that Shane had with Azuma Nelson and Julio Cesar Chavez, that those were very difficult tapes to find and get. And I actually had them, mm. it, not the Azuma Nelson one. But the, the Chavez, I had him at the time, which he could only at that time was able to get uh, VHS, which I got off the, uh, like the Boxing Digest and KO. Um, do you remember they had the, uh, in the back classifieds? You yes. remember that? Yes, absolutely. You know, so you could just purchase, right? So I, that's how I had it. So I went out there and, and just from that, in one interview, it just took off. Nice. And I was like, well, what do I do with this? You know, what, what do I do with these interviews? And, um, you know, and, and I remember this, man, this was funny because I was sitting on my couch watching. Oop, you cutting out. I know a lot of people give a lot of shit to Teddy. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I, I know a lot of folks would get like they, they give a lot of crap to Teddy Atlas. Right. Um, but I was sitting there and I was like, man, wouldn't it be great to talk to Teddy Atlas just once? And if I could just talk to Teddy and, and, and just pick his brain, I'll, I'll be done. I won't do any more interviews. I won't even attempt this, you know, because I really didn't think, Kurt, that it was going to go anywhere, to tell you the truth. I, I was just like, a spur of the moment, I was just on for the ride. You know what I mean? I was on this roller coaster, and I was enjoying every second and every minute of it. Right. And next you know it, I run into Teddy Atlas, and I'm like, hey, can, you, can I interview on my podcast? He's like, sure. And it just became very easy to start bringing guys on. Oh, and I didn't have a podcast at the time. I'm sorry. It was on YouTube. And uh, it was just really easy, just doing that. Right. So when when did you start uh, with with the podcast? At the time, from stand and fight art. Well, that that's so in 2010, um, a friend of mine who was helping me develop because uh, before it was leaving the ring was called There Will Be Blood. That was the name of the uh, <laughs> YouTube channel show. Right. <laughs> and um, but I was getting a lot of heat for it. I had Kelly Swanson cuss me out. She called me and cussed me out. She was like, who in the F do you think you are? Because I was interviewing Golden Boy Fighters. And she thought I was an MMA guy. <laughs> so I was getting turned down from, for credentials or even interviews because of the name of the show, right. There Will Be Blood. Right. They thought I was a UFC guy trying to cover boxing and trying to badmouth boxing, right? Hmm. So 
the guy that was helping me, uh, he designed the, the, the logo and all that, uh, Art from Stand and Fight told me, hey, why don't you do a podcast? And I was like, how? And he introduced me to Blog Talk. And um, we did a trial run with it. And then I said, we'd be a good idea of bringing the other guys from YouTube on there and we could just talk boxing. But I don't want to call it There Will Be Blood. There's just too many confusion. People think that it's, a, it's an MMA or UFC show. And I didn't know shit about that sport. Right. So that's when I just said, what if we called it Leave It In The Ring? And it just took off from there. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, I mean, yeah, you've had, you know, some, some great, uh, you know, shows. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Gabriel and, and Steve Kim were, uh, you know, had shows on your network and, and so on. So when, when did you start, like, putting other shows and, 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 and all that uh, on the Leave It In The Ring network? Huh. Well, um, I, well, Gabriel was, he's never been on another, sh well, he was on, on the next round for, for a very long time, before he got on leaving in the ring. Um, but I met Gabriel at uh, Tashi Palace. We were covering um, an Andre Ward fight, and uh, we just hit it off. Um, honestly, it was like, we had known each other our whole lives, you know what I mean? We just, we had that much in common. Mm. And um, we we would talk for hours on the phone about boxing, and I was just like, dude. I mean, we're we're we were literally on the phone for three or four hours, and I'm like, why don't we? Why don't you just be part of the show, be a, <laughs> be a co-host? Because at the time there was like there was like five of us, right? And uh, you know, uh, a lot of the guys left uh, little by little. Everybody, you know, just like everything else, you know, a marriage falls apart if the foundation is not poured correctly um everybody had different ideas and wanted to do different things which i've never had stopped anybody and they went off and did their, their own stuff and uh but gabriel was the only one that stuck around and um how other shows came about um was really when um max boxing uh closed down mm. i mean that closed down they they basically were cutting their budget you know um, well, let me, I don't, you know what, let me take that back. Cause I really don't know. And I don't want to say something that, that I really was not even part of, but I just knew that, that Steve Kim and Gabriel Montoya, um, were leaving Max Boxing at the time. And, uh, the next round was basically just kind of be sitting there and, um, they, they decided to do a podcast on their own. And, uh, it was just, uh, um, Gable felt it'd be the right marriage to put the next round on the leaving the ring under leaving the ring because we already had such a established uh, fan base, right? You know, right. Um, and and it it just made sense, right? And uh, so when we did that, that's when other um, podcasters were coming to us and saying, "Hey, um, I'd love to put our show under you, you guys and and you know do a trial run and uh, and we we did that. I had Felipe Leon on there." Uh, from uh, 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 oh god, what was this? Uh, he was from well, he he was from Box Rex and and uh, he's gonna kill me because I can't remember the other name of the website <laughs> he was from. That was very fight. I think it was Fight dot com or something like that. Um, and um, and he did a great job and he even did leave the ring with me for a while. But we just had uh, a difference of creativity. We just you know parted ways and did our own separate things. Um, I, I, Brian Fogg, who who's the writer for baseball now. And uh, out of Arizona, he was on leaving ring, not only leaving ring, he had his own show as well called the Boxing Fix. 
uh, was doing a great job, but he's got, it got too much for him because uh, of his uh, time schedule. He was, just wasn't there. Um, so I always noticed that there was always, you know, cause we had, at the time we were covering PDs very, you know, really thick, man. I mean, we were up to our necks covering PDs, me and Gabriel Montoya at the time. And especially at the, the height of, of the time when, uh, uh, Bada was, uh, being introduced to the world and Bada was the, the, the organization with a black hat because nobody understood what they were doing and what they stood for. Right. Right. So we were taking a lot of heat at that time. Um, so me and Gable sat down and we were like, okay, we got a lot of haters. We got a lot of people that don't like us and not understanding what we're doing. We need to lighten it up. We need to get some other show on, um, to get people to, to, to know what I mean, to, to have a different, just to ha- give up a break from us. And, uh, Ernesto Gabillon from Everlast at the time was looking, he was, uh, he was uh, working with Everlast, still is with Everlast, but uh, he was with the boxing scene and, and uh, I knew that he wanted to do a podcast and we had talked and he was on Leaving Ring for a short bit and uh, he wanted to do a show for boxing scene. So we brought him on and I, I named the show uh, The Boxing Lab. And uh, so we gave everybody a chance to have uh, different shows with different hosts that come with different aspects um, for the fight game. And I've continued to like the way that is run. So that's when uh, we found uh, Evan Rokowski, who does a great job with aficionados. And I was a huge fan of yours when you were doing your, when you started your podcast, um, you know, which, you know, you had just kind of start, you know, running it. And I loved your stories. And I, I mean, I literally felt like I was there. Like it's, this is a pud a conversation that we were having and that's when i was like um hey this guy needs more listeners this guy needs more um you know people to, to tune in and hear your, your interviews and your insight of the fight game so that's when i had reached out to you and you know and it's been a great it's continued to be a good run man absolutely absolutely and i, and, and I really appreciate it i really appreciate it uh you know i've, I've definitely enjoyed my time here and, and you know i miss you and uh gabriel going but i know you guys will you'll, you'll, you'll get it back uh going soon so uh i got one i got one more for you before before i let you go um any advice for folks uh wanting to start a podcast in, in the current landscape where you know now there's like a million and one podcasts i mean any advice on on, on starting one up <laughs> Well, um, God, that's a tough one. You know, I, you know, when, when podcasting started up, uh, and everybody was kind of new to it, um, you know, um, I, I, you know, I helped out a lot of shows to, to, to do their startup. Um, a lot of the, the guys, a lot of them are not around anymore, but some are, some are doing really well, uh, with their podcast shows and, and, and whatnot. Um, I'll tell you what I think that a lot of like a lot of these boxing podcasts that I that do I do come across uh, come across or uh, I have uh, uh, podcasters sending me their 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 show to listen to um, and asking me their opinion and a lot of times I don't answer back because I don't I don't feel that's right of me to criticize anybody's show even though some podcasters really piss me off man some of the stuff that they say. Um, <laughs> But, but I think what a lot of guys are doing wrong is that they're trying to be the star of the sport, mm. you know, or they, they, they're, they're speaking, uh, they're speaking out of their terms in, in, in terms of like putting themselves as if they've been there, 
you know, or they've done this. I, I try not, I try not to do that at all. I try to keep, keep it as, as biased as I can. Um, unbiased as I can, I'm sorry. Um, because that, you know, we don't really know. We, we can speculate and we can speak to different, different uh, managers and promoters and whatnot. But, you know, really honestly in the fight game, as you know, uh, Kurt, is that um, the truth can, what you're being told at the moment can be the truth, but in five minutes it can change immediately. Right. You know, and, uh, and I think a lot of guys, uh, you know, trying to friend a fighter, which I learned the hard way. I learned the hard way of not being friends with, 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 with fighters mm. um, because they're, they're humans and they're trying to get their careers up and going. They're trying to get themselves out there as well. You know, so you, you may think you have all the access in the world to them, but once they hit that, that pinnacle where they were trying to get to, don't be surprised. They cut you off. <laughs> right. Right. Don't be right. surprised. They don't return your calls anymore. Right. You know, and I see a lot of these, these guys that they think that, you know, they're calling them, well, my, my boy, my boy, he's going to fight tonight. My boy's going to do this. And yeah, my, bu- you know, my buddy, um, look, just deliver whatever content you're trying to get across and try to get it as clear as you can and try to do as much research you can before speaking on something and, and, and just, just keep it, you know, across the board as much as you can, you know, cause like I said, in boxing, the, the truth can change in five minutes, you know, and it's happened to everybody. Uh, a lot of times, um, if the one thing about leaving the ring, I used to tell when I had my website, I had, I had, uh, you know, on the beat guys working for me at the time, I always just tell them, don't write something without having three or four sources, right? Cross check right. everything that you're going to report because it, it bite us in the ass. And, um, l- thankfully, Nothing like that ever really happened to us, you know. Um, I know a lot of people were hoping because we were breaking PD stories. Gabriel was breaking them like hotcakes, man. I mean, you know, you couldn't pitch a curveball to the guy because he'd hit it out of the the park, you know. (laughs) Um, If you're going to be, especially in boxing, uh, stick with it and and, but be 120% with it, you know. Really, Really hone your craft on that. You know, don't be like some of these guys out there, which steal other people's uh, uh, hard work and then trying to own it, try to act like you're the one that started it. Give, give the people that actually paved that way uh, the props, man. That's the right way of doing it. Um, I see that too much in boxing. And I know that it's a cutthroat business, but it doesn't mean that we can't be human to each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I second all of that. Yeah, definitely. Uh you know, if you're getting information from from other places, give attribution. You know, I mean, you know, if you're if you're citing someone else's hard right. work, give them credit for it. Um, yeah, I think with with, with podcasts, I mean, I, I there's there's so many good ones out there for you know like that that I've enjoyed listening to. I, I can't keep up with them all at this point, to be honest with you. In box, there's a lot of good people doing some good work. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I just think it's great. Like, like you know, you once upon a time, you're just a huge fan. You were you're excited about the sport, and and you know, you wanted to to share your enthusiasm. And and, and I'm glad to see that a lot of people are. And and I'm certainly glad that uh, you started when you did, and 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 are still keeping it going, man. So uh, really appreciate your time, my man. I had a lot of people pissed at me. Really? <laughs> yeah, definitely, brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I ha- at the beginning, I had a lot of people pissed at me. Mm. Uh, I remember Mario. I, I, I don't know. I don't, do you know Mario Serrano? 
he's a good friend of mine. I've yes. known Marl for years. Yes. And stuff. Um, he's a PR guy. For, he started with Robert Guerrero. So I remember a long time ago, he told me face-to-face, we were, I can't remember what event we were at, but we were sitting at a bar, just hanging out, and he said, you know, it's your fault. Because I did encourage, I used to encourage people a lot to start their own YouTube channel, start their own, uh, um, you know, podcasting. Because I'm, I'm one of the original boxing YouTube channels. Uh, you know, there was only like four or five, and that was like the sixth or seventh one um, at the time. And, and, uh, and then that was the, it was me and this other guy named, uh, Aguirre, Jose Aguirre on fire that were putting interviews on. I remember on Jose. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Remember him? And, uh, he, man, he did a great job. He was, do- I, 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 you know, loved his work, you know? Um, and then Mario was like, now we're getting guys from like that, that think they know what they're talking about on YouTube or doing podcasting. And, you know, you really started that trend. It's your fault. <laughs> and then I had other people from like Golden Boy tell me the same thing. <laughs> you know, but hey, it, it was bound to happen without my help or anybody else's. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot, you know, there are some things that, you know, there's definitely ones out there that, are, that aren't that good. But, you know, there's, there's plenty more that are that are really good. So. So, uh, so yeah, man, listen, I, I really appreciate you, you taking the time out and, and, and talking and, uh, you know, and, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday and, uh, Hey, take care, man. Thank you, brother, for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure, man. Absolute pleasure, man. All right, my man. And that will do it for another edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast presented by The Ring and ringtv.com and distributed by the Leave It In The Ring Network. Really like to thank uh, David Duenas for uh, taking the time out to speak with me today. Uh, if you like the podcast, please leave a comment or a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audioboom, SoundCloud, or wherever you access the Boxing Esquire podcast. I'd really appreciate it as it helps new listeners find the podcast. And also, do not forget to check out my companion piece to this podcast on ringtv.com that features quotes and background on my interview with David. And until next time, so long, everybody. Did you get what you was looking for? 